Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian podcast. Today we're going to talk about Johann Conrad Dippel, who lived from 1673 to 1734. And if that name sounds familiar... That's because he lived in Castle Frankenstein, and he was probably the inspiration for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Hold on. Novel. We're talking about Frankenstein tonight? The real Frankenstein? Yeah, basically. Fantastic. So he was obviously German. And he was kind of this pietist theologian, also an alchemist, which is why he's on the show, and a physician, which is why he's Dr. Frankenstein. Um, yeah, he's he has a lot of things in common with the, the, the Frankenstein or the, the, the Dr. Frankenstein novel. Um, not not everyone agrees that he was the, the inspiration, but we'll, we'll kind of talk about the, the pros and cons for that later. So Dippel was born at Castle Frankenstein, near, which is near Mühltal and Darmstadt, and there, therefore, because he was born there, um, at, like for instance, at his school, he had the addendum Frankensteinensis, and also at his university, the addendum Frankensteina Stratemontanus. So it was even like part of his name. So Dr. Frankenstein isn't so far off. So for those that aren't aware that Castle Frankenstein is a real place, it is, and it's about five kilometers south of Darmstadt. It was built around 1250, so it's, it's a really old castle. So, so Dippel studied theology, philosophy, and alchemy at, at the University of Gießen, obtaining a master's degree in theology in 1693. He published many theological works under the name Christanus Democritus, and most of them are still preserved today. Remember Democritus? I do remember. Pseudo-Democritus. I'm impressed that you remember because mm-hmm. you I was awake. Are... Circa 1700, he turned to uh, hermetic studies and alchemy as a key to, his, to nature. Between 1700 and 1702, he engaged in a bitter dispute with Reformed court preacher Conrad Briske in Offenbach, with whom he shared millenarian hopes soon coming renewal of Christendom. He accused Briska of compromise and collusion with the authorities after Briska refused to publish Dippel's The Scourging Papacy of the Protestants on the Offenbach Press. Yeah, so millenarian hopes, what he's saying is that they hoped that in the millennium Jesus would come back. Pretty much like at every turn of the millennium, there's some kind of It was was a common thing, including like Y2K. Right. But but yeah, so, so this guy wasn't like staunchly enough about, you know, these papal influences on... On Protestants, so so Dippel wound up actually having a, a, a reputation from this, right? Travis? Yeah, he had, yeah, it's kind of controversial. In fact, not he, he wasn't just controversial for this, but yeah, also for this, um, he he earned both defenders and enemies uh, throughout Europe uh, just from his theological writings. For example, Emanuel Swedenborg was probably both his most notable supporter and later staunch critic. So. Swedenborg began as a disciple of Dippel, but eventually dismissed him as the most vile evil who attempted wicked things. That's a quote. And Swedenborg kind of clarified this. So Swedenborg basically agreed with Dippel's views that you should dissolve traditional churches and have a more like personal faith, and also reject the Bible as a literal word of God. 
but eventually he criticized Dippel as having like no principles and just being just opposed to everything. And also Dippel would would be very angry with anyone who ever thought other than him, basically. Yeah, the, the, or the contradiction contradic- drove him crazy. Yeah. Right. So so it could be that it might be through Swedenborg that Dippel got this this reputation for having this really cultish Oper, or for being a, a kind of a cultish opportunist and used his theological charisma for his own financial gain and influence. So um, this this might be where he gets some of his reputation from because Swedenborg was really talking pretty badly about him. So Dippel led an adventurous life, if that's not enough so far, right? Uh, often getting into trouble because of his disputed opinions and his problems with managing money. He was eventually in prison for heresy. Uh, where he served a seven-year sentence. You know, he later created uh, an animal oil known as Dipple's oil, which was supposed to be an equivalent to the alchemist's dream of the elixir of life. Um, don't know if it would be considered snake oil, but let's just kind of keep going with Kinda, this. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that. At one point, Dipple's attempt to purchase Castle Frankenstein in exchange for his elixir formula. Um, he tried to get that done in exchange for it, which he claimed he had recently discovered. Uh, the offer was eventually turned down. Yeah, this this Dipple oil is Dipple's oil is pretty famous, and it, and it comes up a lot. Some people say that it was at least it was like an energy booster, so maybe it had some kind of compounds in there, like who knows what. But um, yeah, definitely no elixir of life. But um, if you've ever heard of Prussian blue, so Dipple and the pigment maker Diesbach used potassium carbonate which was contaminated with this oil, with this Dipple's oil, and producing red dyes. To their surprise, they obtained a blue pigment, Berliner Blau, like Berlin Blue, also called Preussisch Blau or Prussian Blue. That's actually a really famous color. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, just, just for him inventing that, just for an alchemist inventing this um, new pigment, that will get him a place on the show. But it doesn't end there. So there's also this weird reputation he gained during his claims at Castle Frankenstein, which includes practicing alchemy and anatomy. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> this is when he had the thunder, the thunder and the lightning exactly. going off right here, right? Uh, you know, he was allegedly working with nitroglycerin, which led to the destruction of the tower at the Castle Frankenstein, if you can imagine that. Uh, but this seems to be a, a modern myth. Nitroglycerin hadn't been discovered in Dipple's time. And although the history of the castle during Dippel's lifetime is well documented, the destruction of the tower, though surely a remarkable event, is nowhere mentioned. Yeah. Kind of a rumor. So this might be a good point to a good place to point out that there's a lot of myths about him for obvious reasons. The guy with the you know living in Frankenstein's castle. Post, so, post Mary Shelley myths after after oh, she yeah. she like, published this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe the the idea of Frankenstein really kind of it, it took off. To to in Mary in Shelley's time, there was already a lot of myths floating around, which is probably where she got her inspiration. But obviously, once she wrote the book, you know, yeah. they, they they just blew Life up. Life of its own. So, right. a couple other rumors that seem to be pretty modern. Uh, for example, you know, the one that I'm sure we've all heard of, which is that he performed really gruesome experiments with cadavers, and. Um, one that's pretty close to the story is where he attempted to transfer the soul of one cadaver into another. So now soul tran- transference didn't just it didn't come out of a vacuum. So it was, it was actually kind of a common experiment or at least theoretical experiment at the time, especially among alchemists. Like we've talked about this before, like the whole um, creating artificial life or you know experimenting with like what is the soul exactly or what is life exactly. This all falls into the field of alchemy at the time. 
And so Dipple actually did kind of support this theory in his writing. So it was, it was, you know, possible that he did pursue similar objectives, like basically in a lab. But there's no direct evidence to link him to these specific kind of experiments. But there's also no evidence to the rumor that he was driven out of town, basically by the town folks with pitchforks and torches, when word of his activities reached the, the, the townspeople. Okay, so that, that classical picture of, you know, basically from the movie, which people think, okay, that might have actually happened. Now, here's the interesting part, is that he was actually often banned from countries, including Sweden and Russia, but probably for more for his his theological ideas, right? More so than the, the, but, the rumors about him doing yeah. the soul transmu- uh, transference and yeah, stuff so like you, that, right? Yeah, you so add, you add his writings on anatomy and the fact that he was banned from a couple of countries, and then, you know, it's easy to get a, a, a picture of, you know, this mob of people with pitchforks and, tortures, uh, and torches chasing him out of town right so yeah you know he did dipple did however experiment quite frequently with dead animals this is not completely a diversion yeah. from, from the things that we just talked about uh of which he was known as an avid dissector in his dissertation maladies and remedies of the life of the flesh dipple claims that to have discovered both the elixir of life and the means to exorcise demons through the, through the potions he concocted from boiled animal bones and the flesh from those animals uh, this is the, the same essay in which Dippel claimed to believe that souls could be transferred from one corpse to another by using a funnel. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of Dippel's contemporaries, notably Johann Heydrich Jung, uh, believed that toward the end of his life, Dippel lost his faith altogether after years of bitter disputes with other Christian leaders, calling yeah. Christ an indifferent being, quote-unquote. Dippel shifted all his energies exclusively onto his alchemical experiments. So he basically fell out of the belief system with God and, and kind of focused more on his, his science experiments. Yeah. So in that stage of his life, he set up a, a lab near Wittgenstein, which was, eventually, which was eventually converted into a pub named after him, which is called Dippelshof. And it is basically at this time in his life where the historical records are kind of more vague on his activities and so the kind of rumors filled in the gaps, let's say. Some of the things that we do know is that a local minister accused Dippel of grave robbing, experimenting on cadavers, and keeping company with the devil. Now, those kind of rumors weren't hard to, you know, just pop into someone's head at the time. So it's not like it didn't have to be based on any facts. But he was accused of these things. Um, he was, what, what didn't help the matter is that Dippel was very private. And he kept to himself and his work. And it's possible that he, like some people believe that he actually encouraged these rumors. So there's, there's all kinds of rumors and maybe, you know, he didn't really discourage them for sure. And there's, there's also a rumor that kind of the common rumor, let's say, that he sold his soul to the devil in exchange for secret knowledge. And, you know, with the, with the ends in mind that he was able to then sell that knowledge to, you know, kind of patrons like having the knowledge of the Philosopher's Stone, the Elixir of Life, which he actively said he had and, you know, was for sale. So, um, yeah, he didn't really help matters out by with his actions, no matter what part of his, what he actually did was true or not. He died at Wittgenstein Castle, which is near Bad Lasfe, and probably from a stroke, though some contemporaries suspected poisoning. No idea if that's true or not. Ironically, a year before his death, he wrote a pamphlet in which he claimed to have discovered an elixir that would keep him alive until the age of 135. Uh, didn't work out so well, but okay. So what 
what is the connection to Frankenstein the novel? Well, this is what's really interesting here, Travis. His connection to the castle Frankenstein gave rise to the theory that it was a model for Mary Shelley's novel Frankenstein, uh, though the idea really still, still remains somewhat controversial. The hypothesis was was first probably suggested by uh, Radu Flor- Florescu uh, in his 1975 book In Search of Frankenstein, which speculated that Mary Wollstonecraft Goodwin visited the castle during her travels on the Rhine with Percy Shelley, where they might have heard local stories about Dipple, which they then would have gone uh, grown legendary and notorious with time. Florescu also notes that Shelley's reference uh, reference a brief interaction while touring the countryside around Car- Castle Frankenstein with students of the University of Strasbourg, uh, of which Dipple was once a student. These students could have told them stories of the infamous alumnus. Yeah, yeah. There's also Shelley. Shelley knew several members of the so-called Kaiserempfindsamen, which is like a literally literary circle that met in Darmstadt from 1769-1773. Castle Frankenstein was frequently used as a location for their public readings, thus, ma- thus making it possible that Dippel's legends could have come up during those conversations between those in the circle and the Shelleys. So just kind of, you know, these famous legends that they pass around, you know, a good campfire story kind of thing. So Dippel, as an immortal criminal mastermind, forced to make Frankensteinian monsters for a master vampire bent on world domination. These are all kind of, you know, legends that, especially in a literary circle, you know, they would have compounded these original rumors and kind of, you know, expanded on them. And so, yeah, it's not really a stretch to say that Frankenstein is based off of Dippel, sure. Several nonfiction books in the life of Mary Shelley also confirm Dippel as a possible influence. In particular, Miranda Seymour finds it curious that Mary speaks of gods making entirely new men in her journal so so soon after their travels through the region surrounding Castle Frankenstein. If rumors indeed existed throughout the area that Dippel experimented on cadavers in an attempt to create life, Seymour, Seymour argues that Mary's phrasing could be more than merely just coincidental. Uh, for now, however, the connections remains a subject of an ongoing debate, but Travis if someone's traveling up and down the Rhine and going down, maybe connected to yeah. the Danube, you're going to be hearing old folk tales of Central and Eastern Europe that that well, put these things together. Right? Yeah, there's there's obviously many other arguments for and against Dippel being the source for Frankenstein. There, there's, I mean, I re- I read, yeah, I, re- I did read some against it, and and many many more, you know, pointing out other small details. But I think there's just too much of a correlation to totally ignore it. So, and I and I also, I'm pretty sure that. Shelley didn't just base Frankenstein off of one guy. So I, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle that, yeah, there's clearly a correlation and, and it makes a lot of sense um, to, to say, yes, Dipple was uh, a prime influence for Frankenstein, but also very likely not the only one. So um, what Frankenstein did was not unique at the time. So, yeah, sure, you just you combine a couple of legends from a couple different people and there you go. So An interesting topic tonight. Yeah. Should save it for Halloween. I'm not gonna. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening. Thanks very much, and take care. You've been listening to the History of Alchemy podcast with Travis Dow and Pete Coleman. For more information about this episode, other episodes, and other information about alchemy, alchemists, and related subjects, visit historyofalchemy.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, review, and don't forget to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter at Alchemy Podcast. Tune in to our sister podcast, All About the Czech Republic, Bohemicon, 
which is also available on iTunes or on Behemacon.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy podcast, thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.